Charity. Hi, Sin. So tell me, Richie, what's so important that I had to wake up at 7.45 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday, considering I partied with the Greeks all night the day before? We have a very special guest. It's Smotown from Smotown. Hello there. You're like a Smotown is here, Richie, because I would not have woken up for you. I know. You'll wake up for Reborn. <laughs> when you say partying with the Greeks, is that real or figurative? <laughs> that is real. I have photos. Okay, Richie, how do we pronounce smoke? You should ask him. No, I'm sure. <laughs> Smo slash smog slash smoth. How do we pronounce your name? Uh, Smo. You just call Jeff. Why don't you just call me Jeff? Okay, let's call you Jeff. Pretty easy. Is that is that Jeff with a J or a G? With a G. With a G. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jeff, tell us where can people find you on social media, YouTube, Twitter, and such. I'm glad you asked. Uh, so you can just find me on YouTube, Smotown, Twitter at Smotown, Instagram at Smotown, and that's it. That's where I live online. Very good branding. It's good, isn't it? Consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've we had we've had guests who have three or four different names. <laughs> so this is this is easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you for coming to the podcast. <laughs> we hope you come again. Go <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>
And they are opposed to, in the game, the Mensis faction that seem to be like the old guard of the Healing Church. The The impression that, like, you get from it is that, like, some point after Lawrence disappeared, there was this factional breakdown where the Mensis people are the ones who wanted to carry on what Lawrence was doing. And then the choir sort of saw that Lawrence's way was flawed and that they refused to go down that path, so they returned to Willem. Yes. Yeah. Um, it says... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say the name choir. Um, so the Mensis name's obviously a little bit more kind of easy to understand, given the mm. etymology. So choir, of course, is, could be a referential thing to choirs that you find in Christian churches. Um, but you could also trace it back to the Greek word for choros, which is a word that essentially was describing actors in plays that happened at the time in Greece, but I think what it's supposed to mean is it speaks with one voice, or mm. people speaking the same thing is what it, I think it's supposed to mean. Yeah, and you, you can hear singing when you're yes. in uh, Upper Cathedral Ward, yeah. Yeah, so their name's very referential to what they do, which is speaking yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, we should point out that, that like, there is a, a th- parts of Upper Cathedral Ward are not, we're not capable of exploring them, so we don't exactly know what the full story of that place is, because, like, there is a third floor to the building that we can never get to, and there's also something burning there, but we never find out what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the choir and the healing church split at some point? Well, they describe the choir as, like, the upper echelon of the Healing Church. So, like, they're like a faction within the Healing Church, who the idea was that they would they would be like the brain's trust of the Healing Church. They would sort of guide it. But it looks like that there's been, since uh, Lawrence disappeared and the organization started to fall apart, there's been, a like, a split. So, like, the choir Rest, have one... Yeah. yeah, the choir have one idea of what to do and then Mensas have a completely different idea and they're at odds and you see throughout the game there's this constant like infighting between the two factions that you see evidence of. But I see what you're referring to Sin, it's the orphanage key, it says yeah. the choir that would later split from the healing church mm. was a creation of the orphanage so I, I take that to mean that they become less involved in the day-to-day running of the church and they become their own think tank, as JSF kind of yeah, describes yeah. it. And it's like a fund that's been set up by the church, but it's its own separate thing. Uh, it's oh. Yeah, and they're, they're, um, they're, like, they're in the same building, but they're kind yeah, of broken attached. away from it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they can't be at war with each other, the church and choir, because they are attached, obviously, and it would never work. But yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's what it means, is that it just becomes its yeah. own trust. Yeah, like, like the impression that I get is that the choir are doing all the stuff behind the scenes, and even though, like, presently Amelia is in charge of the Healing Church, she doesn't know exactly what they're doing. Yes. Because it's all happening, like, li- literally behind closed doors. Like, you need a special key to get into where they are. And... Absolutely. Was it, like, a situation that sometimes you have with your siblings, where you, like, take a piece of duct tape and put it in the middle of the room, and you're like, okay, you stay on your side, I stay on my side, and nobody gets hurt. I think it's it's more just like the um, the factions that arise within any, like, any institution of that size. You'll get people squabbling, like you see it in political parties, and you see it everywhere. Because uh, there's different schools of thoughts for every type of learning institution mm. and things like that. School yeah. of Mentors obviously being a different school of thought, and I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, because, like, the healing church is, is patterned after, like, somewhere between a hospital and a, a university. Mm. And those are those are both institutions in which you see a lot of rifts open up between different, like, departments. And Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people sort of unable to reach consensus on things. Cool, thank you. We could talk about, like, what, what the choir and Mensis are doing to each other that we kind of see. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a dead choir member in Yahagol who appears to have been tortured and they're kept in a cell. For information, presumably, about what the choir are doing. Yeah. And then within Mensis's area, there is a, a character who is like 
who is called Choir Intelligence at Edgar. Mm. And, like, that's kind of the only tip you get that he's actually a spy for the choir. But I guess if you sort of, if you pay very close attention to, like, what he's armed with, he doesn't appear to be a member of Mensa's because he's got the choir's signature weapon, which is the Rosmarinus. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so it suggests that they are actively trying to sabotage or at least spy on what Mensa's are doing. Hmm. Given that Mens- what Mensis is doing affects everyone, the the ritual of beckoning the moon affects everything. Yeah, and, and it um, completely destroys yeah, Upper Cathedral Ward when it happens. It, exactly, and it, it could yeah. be that the, you know, obviously the choir has knowledge of Koss, and it, is Koss holding back the moon? Is that kind of what we all kind of think now? Is Koss like Rom, the Rom firewall? Was... Rob, sorry, Rom, sorry. Is Rom yeah. like the firewall um, between? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there, there's a a note in Bergenworth near where you find Yuri yeah. that specifically says like enlightenment should not be shared, and like the spider, the spider is hiding everything. Yeah, and what you find there, like that's a, that's like a handwritten note that you find like it's left there. It's not in a book or something, and it's where Yuri's hanging out. So, so it's higher. Presume rest, that's written it. Yeah. Yeah, presumably that's a note that either Yuri left or Yuri is reading from someone else who came here to sort of say, like, don't, don't screw with the spider. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's the impression I got as well. And then, of course, you've got, uh, you've got Damien there who absolutely wants to kill the spider. Sure. Like something that we brought up when we talked about Bergenworth is like the way those two characters are positioned. You actually have like Willem in the center. And then on one yeah. side of him, you have the representative of Mansus, and on the other side, you have the representative of the choir. And it sort of shows the way that it branched off. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they yeah. both have interests there. Choir, of course, probably wanting, if anything, to maybe protect Willem or make sure that that, yeah. that, uh, that whole thing's not messed up, whereas Mansus, of course, wants to smash that firewall and mm. continue on with their, their ritual. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. And you can see that um, the choir. Presumably, what happened to that corpse we learn make contact from is that because the choir was sort of like trying to tune themselves into the sky because they're all a bunch of astronomers uh, and yeah. astrologers. That when the red moon happened, that person took the full brunt of it and just mummified on the spot because yeah. they were presumably like in contact with what was happening in the sky. Kind of what happens to the bodies of the Mensis members, I guess, when, yeah, when it happens. Yeah. Like it petrifies their brains or whatever short circuits their brains, so they just get yeah. warped to the spot. Yeah. Yeah. And you also find Yuri next to the chest that's got the students set in it. Yes. Yeah. That kind of implies like maybe she was, or maybe Edgar went here before her and they were hoping to infiltrate Mensis. It's interesting yeah. because it seems like the choir definitely have reverted, not reverted entirely back to the roots, but are more interested in the roots than Mensis are. Yeah. When you look at it that way. Because you get the impression that, that the choir, they have adopted from Willem the idea that, like, the line of thought you're going down is too dangerous. You need to step back and yes. focus more before you, you take these leaps. And Mensis are the ones saying, no, we just need to do this now. That's why the choir is so paranoid about what Mensis are doing, because they know that if Mensis succeed, it will just destroy the city. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's also another, like, interesting, kind of, like, neat parallel thing where you've got, like, the healing churches in the middle, and then you have Yahagul underneath it and Upper Cathedral Ward above it, and there's this constant sort of, like... Struggle. Yeah, this constant, like, um, doubling sort of, like... Uh, inversion between the choir and Mensis. There's always like one one in a place. Like you have one choir person in in Yahagul, and then you've got like the the Mensis agents where the choir are, and then you've got like them on separate sides of the same building, and then above it yeah. and underneath it, and yeah, the yin and yang of each other in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So there is the. Great is chalice that talks about the mm. choir, and it says that yeah. the Great is chalice became the cornerstone of the choir, the elite delegation of the Healing Church. Yeah, and it continues to say it was also the first Great chalice brought back to the surface since the time of Bergenworth, and allowed the choir to have audience with the Breitis. 
But I'm interested in uh, when it says the greatest chalice became the cornerstone of the choir. Could you guys elaborate on that? Yeah. So I think it's like the greatest achievement of the choir in a lot of ways. And it became cornerstone, meaning that it became a central pillar uh, of their beliefs and their kind of direction going forward. So it was a breakthrough for them because using the Great East Chalice allowed them to come into contact with Abraetis. And we could go into details of to what the Chalice Dungeons are and how if we use the Chalice, we can still see Abraetis down there. Um, mm. I think they're kind of like pocket dreamlands. And I think you talked about this, yeah. Joseph, in Aegon of Astora's uh, playthrough. I think you guys had also kind of come to the conclusion that maybe yeah. the Chalice Dungeons we experience are not the physical real ones anymore, but are well, dreamland version, uh, yeah. which are real, yeah. real in themselves, but not the original versions yeah, I, I in think the real you world. You have to assume that like every chalice is almost like a sealed off sort of pocket dimension. Yes, which is why we don't enter them physically. We yeah, it, it can't, you can't really make physical sense of them. And you have things like, obviously, Abreatus is an example where you can meet her on the surface and then meet her in the chalices at the same time. If you want, just meet her like over and over again, which should be impossible. Yeah. I kill her over. I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's probably similar to the way that like you use bells and it's just sort of taken as for granted that you can enter the worlds of other hunters. Yes. And they never really go. There's not a, a Solaire character who tells you about like different worlds. It's just taken for granted that I can co-op against like, uh, you know, Vicar Amelia like 10 times in a row. Cause it's pocket dimensions. Yeah. I can just kill her 10 times in a row and it doesn't cause any issues with the story. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and so what does the cornerstone mean to you? Is it the same in which you think it's like a? It was central to their methods going forward because they. I think it's it's yeah, it's central to them because it gives them access to East because they make a big point about how there haven't been any other chalices brought to the surface. Uh-huh. So the choir find they get their hands on a chalice. It's not actually clear where, but um, the fact that they now have access to East is like that's kind of their trump card. Because Mensis don't really have anything comparable. Mensis may have Tumeru Ihill, it's not terribly well explained, but um I, I guess like the healing ch- Mensis specifically really seem to want to get their hands on the chalice in old Yana. Yeah. Because killing the bloodstuffed beast is what triggers all of those snatches to appear who we now know are involved in the Mensis ritual. Ah. So I'm pretty sure that, like, yeah, the choir had their own chalice and then Mensis did not have a chalice. So it becomes almost like an arms race, like who can who can get to the bottom of this chalice fast enough. Yeah. But um, I guess the difference is like the choir, the choir want East because East is is described as it's in contact with the cosmos. And down there, there is a great one, Ibriatus, who can. And the, the Celestials and everything who are kind of in tune with the sky, like the way Abriatus is described as like, she watches the stars with them. And then you have the Celestials who are like in tune with the sky. They're like alien things. Uh-huh. They seem to be like living underground with the lumen flowers. Yes. And then Mensis, Mensis don't care about that. Mensis just want a baby for their ritual. So they end up coveting the Tumeru chalice because that's going to get them eventually access to Queen Yarn. And they can... Yeah. The way I see the differences in methods is the choir are kind of carefully wanting the key to the door. They want to do things properly, contact the Great Ones. Mensis just want to smash the door open by forcing an encounter with the Great Ones rather than communing with them in Mm. in a way. And that's the difference. But I think you're right in that Ease is described as being close to the cosmos. And I can't remember what item it is, but the choir theorized that is the cosmos not right above us, right above our heads or something yeah. like that. And that is in line with their methodology and their belief systems. So I think that's yeah. partially why it's a cornerstone. It's central to their belief system and, and what they are doing. Yeah. The, the way it's, um, it, it's again, like a translation sort of weirdness where like certain words like cosmos and space and planet and star are being used interchangeably. So it's sort of like, I've had to talk to Japanese friends about this to figure out what it actually means, but it's like, <laughs> It's more like they're they're trying to get enlightenment. They're trying to like tune themselves into the cosmos, and then they realize that like 
the cosmos, not necessarily meaning in like the Carl Sagan sense, but the cosmos is in like the, the world of the stars and the sort of enlightened like world around them. They realize that it's above us in that we can, we can interpret it in the stars. If we tune ourselves into the stars, we'll tune yeah. ourselves into all the, the cosmos as a whole, the sort of like alien world that we can't Otherworldly make world, contact yeah. with. Yeah. 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 I agree. Totally. Yeah. And um, the other thing we know about East is that it was being explored during the days of the research hall. Okay. Because that's where you find the lock shield. Ah, yes, and that specifies yeah. that, like, they were using that to explore East. Although the the wording, the wording could imply that, like, they've had, like, the exploration of East with the lock shield happens later on and they just kind of repurpose it because there's not just one lock shield lying yeah, around. Yeah. Or you could be right, yeah. and it just took them a long time to go to the depths necessary to find yeah. the chalice or whatever. Yeah, it, again, it's not clear where they actually get the East Chalice from. They just sort of find it. I think Redgrave in his Pure Blood Hunt, he just um, puts it as that they, they dove really deep yeah. into the... Yeah, they specify the... it. It was, like, brought to the surface. Yeah. So presumably they found it in, like, the... Chalice dungeon. The Tumeru dungeon somewhere, yeah. And therefore, uh, again, going back to your your and Aegon's pocket dimensions or pocket world theories about the Dreamlands. Um, so, does that mean that the Abratus that they bring back is that just a Abratus that was found in their dungeon? So, when we encounter Abratus and Ease, would that just be like us taking her back, or is that the original? I think it's more like when you go back to Ease, you're just re-experiencing what the people in the choir would have experienced ah, when they okay. went to Ease. So, okay. like. We okay. kill Ibriatus, but they would have... I don't even know how they did it. They would have somehow brought her back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's that's good, yeah. I know how they brought her back. How did they How did they bring her back? Okay. So, they put, like, a trail of snacks all the way back home, mm-hmm. and she just followed them, you know? Like, pick up a snack, ooh, another one. Pick up yeah. a snack, ooh, another yeah. one. What, what snacks do you use for a great one? Reese's. Reese's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody loves Reese's. You'd have to be careful they weren't salty, because she's like a slut. So she'd just dry mm. up if she touched them. That's true. <laughs> Do you want to talk about, like, her kind of grieving over what appears to be Rom's body? Yes. Again. <laughs> well, we haven't brought it up. In this exact context <laughs> <Okay>. before. <laughs> Tell us. Well, what does uh, Smotown think first? <laughs> okay, Smotown, what do you think? <laughs> uh, reading um, Pale Blood Hunt, and probably actually getting this diffused from your two ideas, I thought that Rom was maybe a hybrid child built from Ibritas's blood, and that Rom was once a human. And I think Redgrave yeah. uses the term vacuous eventually to tail it back to the fact that it was maybe a child. Um, that was that was yeah. converted, essentially, into Rom. And so that would be my closest kind of guess as well, is that Rom is yeah. a child, in a sense, a scientific sense yeah. of, of a Abreatus. Right. Um, my take on it is, like, Firstly, my take on it is that the whole altar of despair thing is like nonsense, and you just have to head cannon it. Because I don't, I don't think there's there's an answer if you sit around and dig into it. But like, are you saying the game wasn't finished? I'm saying I've seen maps of the game that don't have the altar of despair on them, and it was added very, very late in the day, and is made out yeah. of repurposed yeah. bits of. Yeah. It's, anyway. probably the bit, probably, it's probably the probably it's probably that annoys me the most, and that you can bring back the queen back to life, yeah. and then she doesn't even mention yeah. it or. Yeah. After she's been smashed yeah. the best. So, like, my, my take on it is that, like, if you read about Ibriatus, it talks about her as she's left behind. And, like, mechanically, like, she doesn't give you a third chord at any point. Okay. Um, there are children of great ones around her that don't have third chords. Okay. And, like, according to the mechanics, she is not actually a great one. She is kin of the cosmos, like Yeah, agrees. So the way I, I took all that is, like, She's kind of like the ROM equivalent from East. She's like vacuous. She was like a failure that was left behind. Like everything else managed to ascend, but she didn't, and she was left and there. He's... 
and they talk, yeah, they talk about in the Rosmarinus description. They're like, what, why are you weeping? Like, fair, they, the fair maiden they're referring to is Abriatus. And they're saying, like, fair maiden, why do you weep? And I, I think the idea is she's left behind. The, all the great ones from East kind of shunted themselves into the dreamland. And they left her behind. And then when the choir drag her to the surface, she finds, like, the body of Rom. Okay. And she's like, oh, th- this is the same as me. Like, you're the, you're, you were also a failure who was left behind. She's like, I, well, I found something that was like me, but it's dead. And she's sort of weeping over that because she's alone. Okay, yeah. I like that too. Yeah, yeah. Rich, you said that the Rosmarinus talks about Abritus. How do you know? Well, Sin, that seems like a rhetorical question. <laughs> well, I know how you know, but can you tell everybody else how you know? Okay. It's ju- it's just a translation thing where, like, her name in uh, Japanese is, like, it's the same as Daughter of the Cosmos, but it's, like, it's um, the word they use for daughter is Musume. And Musume, Musume is a word you can translate as a bunch of different... You can translate it as daughter, you can translate it as, like, woman or, or fair maiden. And um, the Rosmarinus description is also saying, like, Musume, why are you weeping? So the idea is you, you read the Rosmarinus and it says, Musume, why are you weeping? And then when you encounter Ibriatus, she's called, like, Ibriatus Hoshino Musume. And you realize, oh, that's who they're referring to. But they translated it once as daughter and once as fair maiden, so it was kind of confusing. But that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, because I, I used to think it was referring to Yarnum, the queen, because you you encountered her weeping, and I thought they they seeing Yarnum, and then I realized, oh no, it's they're talking about Abriatus. And so the is that is the Rosemary using her power somehow, or is it just inspired by her? Or um, I don't really understand the weapon. I don't to know. Be they just say it's like the the weapon of the choir. It's just like a spray of magical energy. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It's Don't like, they say it's like quicksilver or something? They say it's like it's like incense. Okay. It says sprays a cloud of sacred mist created by using blood imbued quicksilver bullets as a special yeah. medium. Boom! Sin drops a lore yeah. bomb there. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, cool. cool. I've never really understood that. Yeah, yeah. Also, Sin, Sin, do you want me to drop a lore bomb on you? All those weapons use blood-infused quicksilver bullets. Okay, okay, you see, you see, you see this? I'm happy you're here, Smo. I'm happy. I'm happy you get to witness the first-hand bullying Richie puts me through every single day of my life. Savage. It's savage. Ah. Did you know that on Patreon, I started putting clips of Richie bullying me? There's a whole little section for that. Yeah, it's a very normal behavior. What tier do you have to be to hear those? You have to be a horsefish to hear Rich's bullying. A horsefish. Yeah. A horsefish. Yeah, oh my god. Is... Yeah. <laughs> why, why is it a horsefish? Sin, do you want to explain horsefishes? So, I have a lore video talking about how the guidance rune uh, represents a seahorse as the drawing. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a very good lore video. But. One time, I was telling Richie about it, and I couldn't remember what a seahorse was, how it was called. So I was like, well, you know, the horsefish rune. (laughs) And then we were streaming, and then, I don't know, we were joking around, and Rich is like, oh yeah, if you make contact to Sin, she'll give you a horsefish rune. (laughs) Because I forgot I said it, but Rich remembers. Oh, yeah. Rich remembers everything no, and, and I say, then, apparently. Um, every dumb thing I so, say, Richie somehow remembers. But every smart thing I say, Richie, you know what else Richie does? Oh, I love it. When I say something, like, really interesting or really, ah, uh, he then goes, he then, he then repeats it, but doesn't mention that I was the one who came up with it. When was this? All the time, Richie. <laughs> When? I don't know. It's just like a general impression of our relationship. <laughs> general impression. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, God. Yeah. Good. I like horsefish, though. It's a better name. To the point. Yeah. We had um, point. Autumn. Autumn, who came on to talk about Soul Reaver, she did some horsefish art for you. Oh. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, a little pixel art horsefish rune. Yeah. Is that the, is that the yeah. art for the reward tier? Oh, oh, that's a good idea. Good Oscar. Yeah. 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 Well, 
Yeah. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thing I wanted to talk about now that I got the important horse fish out of the way um, <laughs> was the mm. auger of a Briatus. This is always an yeah. interesting little nugget for me. Yeah. I think, uh, first, can you explain to us what an auger is? Like, what does the word mean? So, augurs um, usually have something to have something to do with being able to tell the future. Yeah. So, in Greece, there's a place called Delphi, and there were augurs to a specific god, and they would sit over these fumes of natural gas and inhale them, and probably get a little bit high, to be honest, and they would portend the future, and yeah. that is what was called an augur. Hmm. It's basically just a way of saying, like, oracle. Yes, yes. I don't know why. It's <laughs> such a long way to explain that. <laughs> it's used as a... The, the difference is it's used as a verb as well. So you can say, like, this augurs... Like, you know, yeah. um, I got up today and it started raining. That augurs badly. Um, so in this this sense, it's probably a verb, correct? I guess, yeah. It's just like this... Uh, we found a weird slug thing. And it's like this augurs that the great ones are here. Because they talk about, like, not just the augur, but all the, the slugs. They call them the phantasms that you find in the labyrinth. They're like, this augurs the presence of the yeah, great and ones. And it says it's one of the few rights yeah. that allow one to directly use the power of the great one. So it's not yeah. like the uh, yeah. call beyond, which is essentially a failed exploding star. This is literally you tapping into mm. the Bratis and her using her tentacles to slap someone in the face, essentially. Yeah, yeah, which again, like, is incredibly confusing because you can use her tentacles against her, and you can, like, <laughs> if you yeah. kill her, they still work, yeah. so... Yeah. Um, and, and evidence yeah. that the choir had approached the Elder's Truth, so I think that they used this as a as a way of, like, boasting. I don't know, I feel uh, the Augur was evidence that the choir approached the Elder's Truth, so given the name Augur, is it not a way of them showing people of their progress um yeah i guess it's a yeah. status symbol in a way i guess i don't really i don't yeah, really see how useful yeah. it is in all honesty but it's <laughs> <laughs> just summoning our tentacles uh, what would you think it is richard how do you interpret it i i it's like i was saying before that like as they went down in further into labyrinth they were finding these phantasms mm. they found like the the shells of the phantasms mm. and I don't know why they have shells, because they're slugs. They shouldn't really have shells, yeah. but they found, like, the... They also found, like, the pearl slugs and things like that, and they realized, oh, this is evidence that the Great Ones are here. So we found this this slug, and, it, and when, we, when we sort of touch it, when we, like, hold it, it's kind of allowing us to commune with, with this Ibriatus thing that's down there. And they're so, like prophets, essentially, of the Great Ones, because it says that yeah, the invertebrate yeah. is known to be the augurs of the Great Ones. So mm, this augur yeah. is essentially the prophet of Ibriatus, so... I, yeah, probably not like... Obviously, it's not like sentient. No, but but in the way, like, it the way it... The yeah, way, by, by virtue yeah. of what it actually does, it, in essence, it behaves as yeah. a prophet of sorts. Yeah, like 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 the Oracle of Delphi. It's like it's like the fumes. Like, you hold it yeah. and then... Like, yeah. I, I could be a member of the choir yeah. and bring <laughs> the wise word of Ibriatus by... Even when she's not there with this augur mm. and fire a tentacle into your yeah. face. <laughs> And that's that's the word of Ibriatus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, is this the equivalent of when I clap at Richie to like get his attention? In a way. If Richie's if no, it would be yeah. like you yeah. clapping in my face and then playing a recording of Richie. That would, you'd be like the <laughs> then you'd be the auger of Richie. Yeah. I'm glad we I'm glad we got that that one sorted out. <laughs> and also, we find uh, we find the auger. Like, obviously, there's not just one auger because different characters all have their own augers. Yeah. But the one we find is in the uh, remnants of the Bergenworth yes. classroom. So, like, presumably, and I think it, it even specifies that like the auger is what led to the establishment of the choir on some level. So, mm -hmm. like, I, I, even at the time of Bergenworth, they were finding these augers of the Great Ones. Yeah. Which are like the Great One's power to be experienced without the Great One's being there. And I guess that's why the word augur is used. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah, and I, I assume it's connected to, like, the slugs in the hamlet either. Mm. 
the hamlet being full of slugs tipped them off that that's what you need to look for, or that knowing to look for slugs is what tipped them off to look at the hamlet. It's not clear what came first. Yeah. And what what's interesting, right, is you know how there's a lemon flower crop? I and mean, we're probably going to get to this anyway. In the choir orphanage, there's a lemon flower crop. So yeah. if we look yeah. at the milkweed rune, the milkweed rune says this. Those who take the oath become a lumen wood that peers towards the sky. I know it's lumen wood, but stay with me. Feeding phantasms in yep. its lucius bed, phantasms guide us and lead to further discoveries. Hmm. So that suggests that lumen flower crops are also kind of a hotbed for these phantasms. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 have you, do you know about like the phantasm moves you can do if you're milkweed? Yeah, where you can. Yeah, you can vomit clouds of slugs yeah. and things. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, the idea is those tentacles you get, those are actually phantasms that are, like, growing out of you. You're actually whipping people with slugs, yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. And the, the Japanese name for that rune is, is seedbed. Ah, yes. So the idea is, like, you're actually becoming a seedbed for the... These parasites, essentially. Yeah, and it's... Uh, you can compare it to Willem, actually, because Willem's got the stuff growing out of the back of his neck. Mm. And if you if you put on um, milkweed and then you take the the chest armor off, you can see that it starts growing from kind of the same Does place. Oh, interesting. So, I, yeah, it, it's like there's a big mass on the back of your neck where it seems to be growing from. So I get the impression that, like, Willem was close to close to the epiphany that um, Adeline has. And yeah, and then she... But he wasn't... Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, she, she's, she goes through like an accelerated version because they're pumping her full of blood at the same yeah. time, whereas Willem is just getting there by thinking. These phantasms, essentially, if we're to use an analogy, are like the parasites or bottom feeders that you'd find, find on great whales or, or sharks or things like that that attach mm. themselves, um, feed off them... It's kind of a symbiotic relationship, and in turn, probably gain a little bit of their power. Yeah, I yeah. guess is why they're. Yeah, it's it's def- it's like they're definitely symbiotic in a way that the vermin aren't, because the vermin are quite clearly just a parasite. Parasitic, yeah, they're parasitic. Yeah, yeah, vermin just ruin you, just destroy your body from the inside out. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, and they they make a big point of like the people with the vermin, and their eyes start rotting. Yes. With the eye being the symbol of enlightenment, but then if you have the the phantasms in you, like there is there is removed eyes full of phantasms, and they're still fresh, and you can still use them. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of like uh, halfway between like a parasite and almost like a like a witch's familiar. Yes, yes. these sort of things that like are granting you power and living. Yeah, in you. and they absorb some of the powers of the great one yeah. in turn, I guess. Yeah, and, and allow yeah. us humans to uh, as a bridge, I guess, between us and and the great ones in mm-hmm. a way. But that's literally like what they're doing. Like the the auger in a call beyond. Like when you use them, you're actually creating like a, a like bridgeway a yeah, between us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the a call beyond goes as far as like it actually accesses space. Yes, yeah. Like it's going to a, like it an exploding opens star. the cosmos and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So let me ask you: you know the place where we find the celestials? The Luminwood Garden, I guess? The gardens, yeah. Yeah. Can you yeah. talk about that and what's the purpose? Oh, no, we know what the purpose is. Richie, what is the real purpose of <clears throat> Luminwood Garden? It's to make Big Moon Energy drink. Is that the sponsors? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> a word from our sponsor now. Uh, that, is, that is a fake sponsor that I came up with. <laughs> I came up with months ago offhandedly as a joke, and she is obsessed with and has commissioned people to do art all. <laughs> That's yeah, great. we have a big one in there to logo and everything. Yeah. Thank you, Ike. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I think so. Lumen means is a scale of essentially, in layman's terms, measuring brightness, okay? Um, in the cosmic yep. sense. So, lumen flower crops are obviously a cosmic alien plant. Let's just take it that way. Possibly it could be gathered from ease mm. or something that is generated from consistent contact with the above. Well, you find them in the Nightmare Frontier. So, I'm guessing they just harvested them there. Well, there you go. Yeah. The realm of the cosmos is the dreamlands and maybe something else a little bit more ethereal that we can't understand. Yeah. So, 
taken from there, they're alien kind of cosmic plants. And so in my head, there's a few reasons as to why they would cultivate this crop. So the first thing is that the celestials, as you said, come from the ground in the fight, right? Yeah. It's like they're living amongst the plants. Mm. And that kind of goes back to that milkweed rune that talks about the fact they've got luscious beds or however you want to, however you want to describe it. And I think that the, they believed the, the choir believed the Lumen Woods as a key factor in making contact with the Great Ones. So, as I mentioned at the beginning, I think the choir, everything they want to do is make contact with the Great Ones. And the Lumen Wood allows them to not only feed phantasms or maybe even attract new phantasms, but it kind of exists as a home for the Celestials. And there's also the possibility, given the name of Lumen Wood, that it kind of amplifies the so the emissaries, you can hear them in the woods, you hear it in Aegon of Astora's playthrough, that they're essentially beaming out a signal upwards, like they're trying to contact. Yeah, it sounds kind of like radio static. Yeah, like they're trying to contact outwards. So what if yeah. lumen flower crops amplify that effect? Yeah. It's yeah. possible. If not, it's, you know, it's obviously a place for them to grow phantasms and to maybe even grow these celestials, and, and that would probably be my kind of take on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, my take on it is is just like they look like sunflowers, the ones that we see, mm-hmm. and I just take like lumen flower to be like this made up thing. It's like what's what's a sunflower for the moon? Oh, it's a lumen flower because lumen lunar kind of sounds the same. And my take on it is that because like the way sunflowers work is that they bloom in the morning and then they they follow the sun across the sky. Okay, like they turn to face it and then they close at night. Considering the choir obsessed with watching the stars and the moon, I always took lumen flowers to be like these uh, flowers that open at night and they look at the moon and then they sort of follow it across and close. And, and they trace its patterns and things. Yeah, yeah. The ones in uh, Upper Cathedral Ward, we never see them open, but you can see them in the Nightmare Frontier. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and they are, not only are they open, but they actually radiate like this blue light out. They're like glowing. Mm. So they have some connection to light, and like a lot of the great ones have some sort of plant like aspect to them. Like Rom is covered in what looks to be like sort of grass, and her her tail looks like a sort of curled up flower. Sure, and then you've yeah. got like there's those centipede things that appear to just be a flower that has grown a centipede body out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I always took that to be like simultaneously like. Great ones, we don't, they sort of defy categorization, so it's not clear if this is actually an animal or a plant. Yeah, and like the moon presence, it's called Flora, right? Isn't sure. Yeah, yeah, Flora of the Moon. So the idea being that, like, not only that, but because they're flowers, they're like tuned into like lights coming from above, they're tuned into the sun and the sky mm. and the moon, and they're getting the energy from that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And we do see the the lumen flowers open in the research hall in the nightmare, but it's not it's not clear like what time of day that's supposed to be happening at because it's all sort of messed up. But are the failures? Do you think they're failed celestial emissaries? Then do you think they're early attempts at? I think the celestial emissaries are like a development of yeah, that. yeah, because those are the they're kind of yeah. they're kind of bigger, kind of more ref, less refined versions of the, the emissaries, I guess. Yeah, and and they they also like they. They contact the sky and they summon through those meteors yes. by sort of like praying toward it. Yeah. yeah, but it's more kind of violent and, and random, I guess. Well, it's it's like what Rom does, but Rom can do it by herself. Whereas with the the failures, you need like half a dozen of them working together. So they're like, a, uh, I guess the church is the church is sort of equivalent of Rom. Like they're not quite as successful. And I, I'm pretty sure, like, the giant, like, the way the patients have the big swollen heads, it's meant to be suggestive of, like, the Celestials having the big blobby, like, mushroom heads. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you can see Impostia Sefka, who, she might be part of the choir. It's never made 100% clear. But um, she, I think, like, the way she's making Celestials. Yeah, I think she's, like, a rogue. That implies, like, the Celestial. Yeah. yeah. They're, like, a recent thing. They progressed from that. And she uses a call beyond as well, which theoretically su- suggests that she is. Yeah. Yeah. But she's gone kind of rogue and she's taken advantage of the night of the hunt to go down there and carry on her experimentation, I guess. 
And yeah, and she's got the um the cord. Presumably, like the cord she has is the one that ascended wrong. Yes, and it's the one that Willem got from the orphan. So like. I guess if she's part of the choir, she would know about that. She'd be able to go back and forth from Bergenworth. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, that little pile of celestials that I guess she left there at some yeah. point. Oh, God, I was going through the, the parameters. This is this is interesting, I promise. I was going through the parameters of the different enemies. And the celestials in the forest, they're tagged. They have a name. It's called, like, Connecting Path to City B. And Connecting Path to City B is the name of the cavern under the clinic. So, like, they designed those Celestials initially to be under the clinic as a way of, like, sort of explaining where they came from, that, like, she's making them and dumping them in the hole because they don't work properly. So why would they change that? They changed where the clinic was. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Like, moved everything okay. around. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously the, infer- the, the implication being is that they're just her her previous dumped experiments that she's just thrown out the back of the clinic, essentially, and they're now just roaming the forest. Yeah, and and, and you find, like, there's, like, non-transformed corpses there, and you find, like, there's, like, an arcane blood gem. So it's like, this is where all those experiments are going on. Yeah, I can buy into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's, um, of the choir members we meet, there's, like, Yuri... Um, Impostia Yosefka and also the uh, uh, Edgar, the Intelligencer, and yeah, we don't uh, we don't get any choir summons, but we do get Mensa's summons. And there's the obviously there's the dead there's the dead choir member in um, Yahagol, and then presumably when you go to Upper Cathedral Ward and there's the brain suckers and the blue eyed werewolves, they would be choir members who transformed when the Red Moon had. And you'd imagine if anyone was left in the choir, they would have been driven off by the fact that it looks like the facility is essentially completely overrun. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's like, that's what they're getting at with those wolves having blue eyes. Yes. So yeah, that's the like a, like arcane energies coming out of them. Yeah. yeah they're, not, uh, they're not regular scourge beasts. They're like enlightened ones. Mm-hmm. And there's also like the brain sucker that drops the orphanage key. Yes, yes. It's implying that was, that was whoever just had the key and then they all transformed when the red moon came up. Mm-hmm. Mm. I guess, like, yeah, Sin and I have talked about this before, but it's it's frustrating that like the game will use the healing church corpse to just be like ninety percent of the corpses, regardless of who it was. So, like, there there's the dead, um, the dead guy with a call beyond who's slumped over in the top of the yeah. the. Grand who should cathedral. be a choir member, yeah. really, and. Uh- I noticed another one that annoyed me. I know it's completely off topic, but yeah, you know, you've mentioned it annoys me as well. You know the one you find the Yarhar Ghoul hunter set on? He's just a, a Yarnum yeah. hunter on front of a, sitting on front of yeah. a carriage. That annoys me. How yeah. it would have should have just been a should have just been a Yarhar Ghoul hunter. I don't understand. But oh yeah, well, Kanehurst is a nightmare because of that. But I, I digression, complete digression. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. I think think that one of the I know we're kind of going back here, sorry, Sin. Uh, but one of the important items for understanding what the choir are all about is the call beyond, because the call beyond describes why they were why they created it. So obviously that describes their motivations. Yeah. So long ago, the healing church used phantasms to reach a lofty plane of darkness, but failed to make contact with the outer reaches of the cosmos. Yeah. So that's the intended purpose of that. Yeah, they're trying to push themselves like mentally beyond like yes, the veil and talk into and, presumably into the dreamlands. Yeah, talk yeah. to the great ones. In essence. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay, so in like one hundred characters or less, what would you describe <laughs> to be the mission of the choir? Uh, do you want to go first, Rich, or do you want to go first? Uh, I don't mind. You go first. I'll, I'll go after and copy what you say. Okay. I'd say the mission of the choir is to reach enlightenment through stargazing. Because they know that the the stars are the source of, like, the cosmos and everything. It's the whole, like, the sky yeah. and the cosmos are one. Yeah. If we want to get to the cosmos, we've got to look and in the sky. And their position physically uh, is also important. Yeah. Mentors are down below doing the dirty work. Yeah. And uh, choir's up in the sky. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What do you think, Jeff? So I'm not not much different. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. they're like I just said, they're the 
Call Beyond's pretty important for learning what they're about. They're just trying to use, to elevate their minds into the sky above and make their contact through more kind of intelligent means than the, the mentis are, more careful means the mentis are. They want to communicate mm-hmm. with the great ones and make contact that way. Yes, that's what I'd say. Cool. What do you think it is, Sin? Are you going to have to summon a Bruitus? <laughs> um, <laughs> Richie, actually, now that you bring it up, can you tell us about a Bruitus? This is a Bruitus. Is that another sponsor? Sin very specifically, very specifically summoned a Bruitus. <laughs> we were talking the other day, and Sin very specifically called on a Bruitus. <laughs> I love e I think that's going to be my fake sponsors. Oh, we have a picture of a Brutus, too. We'll show you. <laughs> what happened was, is that, like, I mispronounced the Brutus as a Brutus. Very specifically. <laughs> and then the Brutus was summoned. Your intent is not important. You summoned a Brutus. <laughs> and here I am. Oh, God. And then, um... <laughs> Ike is the one that does most of the artwork for the channel. Okay. And his social media is, I'll tell you. Ike Break. I K E B R E A K. Yeah, and Ike sometimes, when I ask him for a commission, he draws like a silly version of it. Okay. I asked him uh, to draw me like an emoji or whatever, and he did, and it was beautiful. But first, he sent me this. It was the Brutus. Oh, please show this on screen. This is good. And if you say his name, you summon him, even though you don't mean to. That's correct. (laughs) Doesn't do anything to help. (laughs) He's just there. (laughs) The Brutus. So the auger of a Brutus, he just flies out and just... (laughs) Just sits there. <laughs> Kamikaze's into their face. <laughs> <Here it is. laughs> that was a discussion of the choir with Smotown. Jeff, do you want to just mention your social media uh, again in case anyone missed it? It's uh, Smotown for Twitter. Small Town for Instagram and Small Town for YouTube. And you do uh, obviously like Souls and Bloodborne stuff. I do for all the Soulsborne games, but I do kind of more, I'd say, formal videos. I'm trying to move it toward kind of informal ones, but I do like. Do I talk about the lore? <laughs> There's video gameplay in the back. And you have videos about Dark Souls and Sekiro and uh, Code Vein. Yeah, that's right. And what other stuff do you have lore videos about? Uh, Warframe. I've got a little, little series on that because the lore is pretty interesting in there too. Excellent! Woo. And we're going to talk to you again in five minutes. Yes, get a coffee. <laughs> <laughs>